Well, this is a, an absolutely new podcast and I'd like to, to welcome you along wholeheartedly and for all those who followed podcasts that me and my panel have been on before, uh, thanks very much for coming over and, and following us. I'm Ian Cheeseman, I've been a City fan all my life, uh, for, over 40 years, home and away, just uh, reached 2,200 first team competitive games with the last match against Rotherham uh, and this is the Forever Blue podcast, we're located actually at the Holiday Inn, which is at Central Park, which you'll have seen as a tram stop coming out of Manchester, going up towards Rochdale. We're not too far away from the stadium, and they, they are allowing us to do um, to be the venue for this podcast. So thanks very much to them. But a big thank you to DNW Cars Limited, who are from Rochdale or Castleton in that area on Manchester Road. I went down there, I, w- I reached out for sponsorship. And a city fan who uh, who runs that along with his partner said, "Oh yeah, we want to help you. We want to be part of the city community." So I want to say thank you to them. I went down and saw their showroom. It was very impressive, and I'm going to be working alongside them hopefully for the rest of this season. So big shout out to D and W Cars and. Follow them on Twitter and tell them how much you appreciate it if you do, that they're supporting this podcast. Now, the podcast may occasionally vary. You know, last time you may have downloaded the podcast where I was speaking to Mike McLean, who works at City Square. And I did a small one with Sean Golter over Christmas as sort of little tasters. But the normal format, the way we're going to do this most weeks, is to have, uh, alongside me, three City fans... Uh, it might not always be the same three City fans, but you'll get to know them as regulars. Um, and the three of them are with me today, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves and just tell us briefly a little bit about yourself. So, who are you? I'm Ryan Corliss, I'm 26 now, uh, and yeah, I've been supporting City since I was born, basically. My first game was in uh, 1998 against Mansfield in the... Uh, Remind me Ian, of what the trophy was called. The Auto Windscreen Shield. The Auto Windscreen Shield trophy. <laughs> City got beat 2 1. City, by the way, are playing Rochdale in the Checker Trade trophy. Yeah, I'm always just saw the same thing. And, um, and that's under 21s. Yeah, it was the lowest attendance ever at Main Road. Uh, my dad knew how to pick them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I've been supporting City since then, season ticket holder, and uh, yeah, trying to get to a few away games and looking forward to having a chat about it. And next to you is. Um, hi, I'm Emily. I'm 36 um, and I have been supporting City since the 90s for my sins. Uh, done bits and bobs of podcasts, um, bits for the BBC and, and loads of different writing bits, mainly for King of the Kipax, um, but predominantly just a huge blue, so here for a chat. And... Uh, the next gentleman is somebody that, if you've watched the vlogs that I do on YouTube, will have become a familiar face. And people think he's called Gary Neville, as you saw. And I know you hate that, but um, that's partly respect. Tell us who you really are. My name's Harlan. Uh, I'm 25, uh, and I've been a City fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, my first actual home game was on the 1st of November, um, and it was 2004, and it was against Norwich City. Drew one all, Willow Flood scored the goal, and uh, Damian Francis equalised for Norwich. Um, but I had been supporting City long, long, a long, long, well, for a long, long time before that. Um, I remember dragging Mum down to the City store, or Reebok City as it was, uh, then to get kits at daft hours in the morning, uh, going up to Oldham, where I lived at the time, to, to grab the latest Lecoq's Teeth shirt as well. Um, so yeah, City fan for as long as I can remember, and um, never thought I'd see see the day that we were the uh, the best team in in the country, and uh, well, if not if not Europe and the world. Now, having given us that introduction, that gives me an idea. Before we talk about the the sort of contemporary things, you know, the Liverpool game and the Rotherham game and all this sort of stuff, you, you've just told us about your first game. Uh, actually, that's quite a good starting point for everybody. I know you, you're all different ages. The first game I went to was back in 1970. Um, it was against Schalke, who, of course, City are playing against in the Champions League in the last 16 this year. And I was a you know a young kid who desperately wanted to go along to a game. And I had protective parents who wouldn't let me go. And eventually, because my mum was German and came from Gelsenkirchen, which is where Schalke are from, long story short, we had a relative coming over to the game. And the only way she was going to see that relative was to go to the game. And I'm thinking, finally, they let me go to a game. So I went along, City won 5-1. Colin Bell scored. Uh, Neil Young scored. Uh, it was the most uh, inspiring victory 
that that you know as good as anything probably I've ever seen. Um, and and because it in those days you used to watch football in black and white. Um, the fact that I went to this game in April, which was sort of gloomy time, and you walked into the ground from the moss side streets around, which were dark and dismal, and suddenly it was green and it was blue shirts and awash with all these colours and everything, really sort of wowed me. I was already a, a City fan. It wasn't a case of converting me into that, but I'll never forget that game. What, what, what's, what's your memories? My first game was, uh, much like you, um, I'd supported him since late 80s because of my brother, really. Anything my brother did, I was like his little shadow. Uh, my older brother sort of looked up to him, Simon. Um, and I was protected more so because I was a girl, so I wasn't really allowed to go to football. And I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. Uh, my first game was at Goodison Park. And away game, first away, game, yeah, wasn't away. Away game, Goodison Park. I think it was a Tuesday night, it was March 95. Uh, it was one all. Uh, Terry Phelan got sent off. Maurizio Gaudino scored the goal, <laughs> and David Unsworth got a penalty with four minutes to go. And I was absolutely gutted because it was so close to the end, and obviously converted it. Um, but much like you, I was just amazed with everything about it. That you could smell the grass, you could smell the turf, and the, the I know it's a cliche, but the floodlights and everything about it, just the excitement of it all, and. Being in the away end as well was just fascinating. Um, and then my home game was against Sheffield Wednesday and Rosler scored and we won 1-0 and that was a year later. And then after that, season ticket. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. What about you, Ryan? Uh, I actually don't remember uh, who scored the goal for City in my first game. It was that long ago. It's actually quite a hard game to find like too much on. Uh, I have like hazy memories of Main Road, like because that when I was, I think that first game I must have been six or seven. So my first season ticket was at the Etihad, and the first season it opened, and I've been a season ticket holder since then. My memories of Main Road are hazy, but like very nostalgic about the things you're talking about, like um, seeing the floodlights. Like my first game was a night game, so seeing the floodlights, it being dark. I presume it was, I think it was around December time, so it was just, like a proper winter evening. Um, but then Et the Etihad's where I can start actually recalling things. I remember going to the Etihad for that. The friendly against uh, Barcelona, the first, I think it was the opening game, um, and City won 2 1. And seeing Ronaldinho play live, who was like my hero as a kid, I really enjoyed watching him. Um, I think he just turned down United to go to Barcelona, so he got a big cheer. Um, but most of my memories are, are Etihad based, but in terms of those, those sort of like snippets of nostalgia, main road but yeah the first game I, I don't remember much I remember a guy in like a, a fur had a fur hat on and he was very critical of City like really critical um, and I remember asking my dad like why you know why is he so critical and he was just, that's, that's how it is sometimes some people are critical some people aren't and you know he did get beat by Mansfield so maybe he had a right to be critical <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny because I was in the on, on uh, Sunday when City played Rotherham uh, the the lounge, the uh, Legends Lounge, was given over to City Supporters Clubs, and as I went in there afterwards to to record some bits from my vlog, a bloke came up to me and I said, you know, will you be on the vlog? And he said, uh, no, I'm I'm really annoyed because the people who were sitting around me were slagging City off, having a go at different players. You know, we won seven nil. You know, and he was really really upset and angry about it. But it does sort of go with being a football fan, doesn't it? That no matter how good you are. You know, you could be a Barcelona fan when they were winning whatever. You know, you could be a United fan, dare we mention them, when they won the treble, treble and still go away from a game and find something wrong with it because in that, in the nature of just being a football fan. Yeah, yeah it's, of course it is. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've come away from games and sport to you before and, you know, City fans would, you know, say, you know, nobody should be bothered that we've lost to Basel 2-1. We're already, we're already through, the tie was already won. We won, we, we won 4-0 in the first, first leg. I still, I wasn't being negative and I just looked at the the other side of the spectrum, so to speak, and looked at the fact that we'd, we'd not necessarily performed at not even optimum levels at, at the best that we we possibly could have performed in that game had the ball had been passed to Diaz at the right time. or I just picked out certain things um, during the match that, that had aggravated me and then just maybe analysed the game as a, as a whole and then broke it down into different sections on the vlog that night. And I was criticised by certain people on YouTube you obviously told me that that, that may or may not happen that's such a well, having an opinion is getting them opinions but it was more the fact that people didn't expect us to to, to be disappointed even though um, like you said it's part of being a football fan because we're this good and because 
we were already through in the tie. You're still analysing that match though, aren't you, at the end of the day? Yeah, and your expectations have gone up. I think that's an interesting point as well about Basel because a part of that, I think, is we don't all look at it from... I mean, I know we all do to a degree, but we don't all look at it from the bigger picture of, oh, we beat them 4-0 in Switzerland and then we come to the Etihad. I went to the Etihad that night when we played Basel last season and, and you know, I wanted to see a, I wanted to see City go and play well and I wanted to see City do well, pay for money, I wanted to go and, you know, and I've been looking forward to the game that day at work and then you turn up and you feel like it's a bit of like a... You know it's a dead rubber to a degree because City have won 4-0 and the chances of Basel coming and beating us by four in Manchester are virtually nil. But... Despite the fact it's a Deborah on paper, you still want to see City play well, and and I'm I'm critical. I'm, I'm a critical fan. I'm happy to say that I'm pretty critical. But you know, I, I think you're always going to be critical after any game because there'll always be little moments. Even in a set, I mean, I wasn't unhappy yesterday whatsoever with Rotherham, but you know, I can still think of moments where things should have gone better. I can think of a few chances that Jesus missed where I think mm, she probably should have scored that, and could he have had a hat trick actually on another day? But I think it's just finding that balance. When you win 7-0 and you come out the ground and you're absolutely, you know, fuming with it, it's probably a little bit too far. But if you turn around and say, well, you know what, actually, we probably could have got a few more goals today and it would have been nice to see us score 10. That's, you know, it's a balance. It's not not slagging the team off at 7-0 because that's probably a little bit foolish, but you just got to find that balance, I think. Quite an interesting point, actually, and it's so relevant at the moment, especially after the Christmas period, because... There seems to be kind of patches of City fans where there's one crowd who are clusters are named as the York away crew who, after a defeat... That's me, that's me. ...to always turn around and say, hang on a minute, I can't be upset with him because I remember the dark days and look at where we are now. And then you've got the other side of the coin where there's the perhaps hypercritical people who then get called maybe not oversensitive but like over critical about it and too reactionary because there's a lot of fans who are really really reactionary and you know they sometimes you need half an hour to calm down and think before you tweet because then you know once you've kind of simmered a bit then you can take a step back and think actually really was it that bad was he that bad or you know, and I saw a lot of it over the Christmas period, particularly on Twitter. I did it at Anfield last was, year. Yeah. I remember tweeting that um, I think Sane had the worst <laughs> game I'd ever seen in a football shirt. And then sort of like about half an I was in Barcelona at the time and I was like, I went for a beer and I sat down and I was like, that's too far. That's, he wasn't the worst game I've ever seen. I mean, I saw like some, some rubbish play like a few years before we got good. Um, and probably a few years before that as well and I thought probably wasn't the worst game I've ever seen in my life I'd never do it because I'm not the Twitter police and I hate Twitter police I hate people pulling you up on there because it's freedom of speech I did call a guy out on there um, who actually tweeted Carl Walker directly saying a load of expletives to him and I was like hang on a minute you can think it you can tweet it but don't put him in the tweet come on yeah, no, that I agree. That is ridiculous. No, I agree. So there seems to be like specific camps, and and then city Twitter goes crazy when we. As you if know, the fan base is like yeah. split in, so in, in, really in, in thirds or in half, in, 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 yeah. in half, and you've got like you said the the, yeah. York, the York away crew criticizing the fans that 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 couldn't have gone to York away because they weren't born. Yeah. So it's like, well, do you want me to have been at York and? It just, it's not doable, is it? It's so horrible seeing City fans arguing amongst themselves. It's, it's, the it's worst like Brexit, thing. isn't it? Dare I mention Brexit? Oh, it's no. like Brexit. The, the whole, the, you're right. It feels to me as if the fans are split into these Very different splintered. groups. It, is it, it's growing pains, isn't it? Because the club are, you know, have gone from one type of club to another. And so, isn't it inevitable? I think some people don't want to let go of him. I think that's what it is. Some people don't want to let go and they want to, they want to still kind of. I don't know what's the word. They, they still want to kind of nurture and, 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 and love the fact that we were that club once. Some people have gone off on a on a on a whim and, and, and kind of oh we're a big club now and they enjoy they're enjoying the, the, the fruits of Shape Mansell's labour, so to speak, and then there's some that, that are just trying to enjoy both like sides of the coin. Well, I'm always called a happy clapper because I'm always looking at the glass half full. So, you know, when we did get beat over Christmas and everybody was saying, that's it, you know, it's Liverpool's throwing in the towel and stuff, and I'm turning it around saying, hang on a minute, we've got X amount of points to play for, it's nowhere near over yet, when we get to the Liverpool game, we'll, we'll see Sounds where like we're at me. then. But I'm always putting a positive spin on it, and because of that, I get called a happy clapper. Now, I can put my hand up and say, if Maris has had a really bad game, if he's had a stinker and he's, he's been too selfish, 
and not passed to Sterling or you know Aguero when he should have done then I'll say that but I'll always look for a positive because I'm not a doom and gloom merchant and some people are overreactionary. I think I think it's... Um, you looked at Ryan when you said yeah. that. <laughs> I, I think that I am... I do think I'm, I don't quite fall into the absolutely... You know, I do think there are people who are more critical than I and reactionary, I wouldn't say... I would say I'm less reactionary, but I, if I think something has been wrong for six months and then I say it, I think sometimes things can be viewed as reactionary when they might not be. Like, for example, Kyle Walker, I think... As, as not you know I don't think he's all that I really don't um, and, and it's fair enough it's pretty disagreeable opinion I think most people do disagree but I said that after whatever the last game he had which I felt was a shocker was and someone on Twitter said to me you're just being reactionary and I said you search you know any tweet I wrote a year ago and, I, and I've said for a year I don't think he actually is as good as you know I think he's a very good fullback I just don't think he's um I don't think he's world class. I don't think he'd ever um, have made it into those like peak European teams that you know the, the Barcelona team under Guardiola. I don't think he'd ever made it in those teams. I must say, I think he's a very good player, Kyle Walker. But I think he has too many. I know we want to talk Kyle Walker tangent, but my point <laughs> is that I was described as being reactionary when I said that after. I think I think it might have been the Palace game. It oh was no, the it was the Leicester game. No, it was the Palace game. It was the Palace game when he gave away the penalty. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I yeah. said, you know, he's got he's got too many uh, lapses of concentration, in my opinion, to be a top level player like I think he yeah and, I, and in hindsight I do think a little bit of that was uh, yeah. fatigue but when someone then says you're being reactionary I say well I can pull up a tweet from last last year when we played Liverpool in the Champions League or whatever and say actually I've felt this for a while and you know I'm entitled to that opinion and fair enough if I've turned around after one game and got David Silva's a bunch of rubbish that's reactionary because if you can find me calling the Silva rubbish over the 10 years I'll you know pay you but um, I, I think Personally, these splits, I think it's just diff- lots of different personalities, lots of different age groups. Um, you throw that all into the mixing pot and you've got a team where they're expected almost to win every game by not necessarily City fans, but the media outlets will say, well, City are going to win that. And, you know, your bookies will say City are going to win that. I think you throw all that in, you throw all the different ages in and people are trying to find out what they want from City and what they expect from City. It's hard to, like, you know, put your finger on it. So are City unique? in having this split or is it just because it's City because of the, the path that they've been on from York away to Champions more, League final I think unique than most because because of the jump from being pretty poor to, to pretty fantastic in literally probably five six probably less than that years um, I don't know what you guys think in terms would we prefer the split I think what you're what you're trying to get here would we, would we prefer sorry to have the thirds as I've said or the, or the, or the you know the, the quartlets of, of, of fans in sections than us all to have gone from being not very expectant to going to expectant and, and then not remembering anything. I think we'd prefer to, to be diverse, if you want to call it that, than have, have just become far too expectant and have become what people think we've become. Um, and, and, and having, you know, saying that, certain fans of certain clubs think that we've now disregarded our, our, our past and say we've got no history and, and we're trying to consider ourselves a big club um, and, and we base that on what we're doing currently right now but I think the fact that you've got fans that, that remember York away you've got fans that remember um, Ali Benabi and Berkovic you've got fans that remember signing Sam Ras and thinking that he was Gabriel Jesus do you know what I mean then you've got That's fans that you know, you've got fans that, that, that are young and, and only remember us signing Dzeko then you've got fans that remember Pep coming in and being Gaffer I mean, these young kids now that are three, four year old, all they're going to remember are the last year of Pellegrini's era or the last two seasons of three Pellegrini. Three or four years old, they're going to remember all this. Well, they're not, but, but, but <laughs> that, that's what, that's what their, well, their history is. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's funny you should say that because my, my eldest is four years old and he's been to quite a lot of City games now and he's still never seen us get beat. So that is his memory. He's been to Wembley twice and seen us win at Wembley twice. Obviously, I've, I've been watching... Isn't the difference, like, though? A lot more, but... Emily, you've got, you've got children who you're bringing up as City fans. Well done. <laughs> Me too. Um, but you are... Because of your history, because of your knowledge of the club, you, they will not... Even though you're saying they've never seen them lose, etc., they will perceive City differently because of the way you talk about them yeah. and perceive them. Definitely. Now, you two are both 20-somethings, so therefore you haven't got kids yet and you haven't got that particular issue. But if you do have kids, and you, of course, have parents who presumably coaxed you in yeah. the direction of City, yeah. they will have talked to you about where City have come from. So 
are the third quarter or whatever it is that we split it into that are now very, very expectant and, and look at the city in a very different way, are they because they've got no background, because they've got no parents, because they are literally people who've come, come at it from nowhere? Is that why they're like that? There, there, there is, there is a, a quarter of people in, in that sense that have jumped on the bandwagon. I mean, I mean let, let's not all back city here, want that and we want that, yeah, don't we? We do, yeah. Obviously... It, we're international now. We're a, we're a brand, so to speak. When we dropped the FC off the, off the badge for the start, yeah. I knew that that was a turning point in, 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 in our club going forward. I was gutted when, when we changed the badge to the new badge. I still thought that we could have fitted FC on there somewhere. I and agree. Fans, I agree. Did, fans did explain to me that it's because now we're Manchester City and we're a global brand and we're not a football club. We're a business. Um, and, and, and you know at the end of the day we, we expected that to, to kind of happen because we, we, we knew we were going down that avenue but when you look at it as as, 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 a, as a court so to speak like we're saying there are, there are fans that jumped on the bandwagon that, that only know us as, as this brand and only oh city city go citizen and, and at the end of the day they're entitled to, to say well, what they, they want to say because well, they are fans in a sense generally but, now the goalposts have literally shifted so we have to look at it at the point we are now, we have to look at it that we're not that team from that era. You know, we but we are, can still hold on to our oh, memories we, of that. Yeah, we Do can you know still, I mean? we can still teach in, your kids. Uh, yeah, you teach it, and you you know you you always use that line to your kids of well, it wasn't always like this. You know, Whew, the, you know some of the shit I've, stuff I've had to go through, <laughs> but you've got to be realistic. And a lot of the fans do now say, you know. We have expectations for a reason, and this is where we are now because Pep Guardiola is our manager. You know, we should be winning these games. We've set the bar for ourselves of 100 points last season, so that is what we've got to continue because we've set that standard for ourselves. So we are going to re- we're chasing to re- retain the trophy this season. That's the standard that we've set for ourselves. So that is where we are right now. So that's where the expectations come in because. We're going. We're bound to have expectations because yeah. of last season and the previous seasons. That is the standard that we're. We built that we're not Manchester ourselves. City, circa you know nineteen ninety nine anymore. We're Manchester City, circa twenty nineteen. Yeah. It's twenty years later, and that's where we're at now. And we, you know, you've got to move with the times and accept it. You can have nostalgia. I, I'm a massive fan of nostalgia, and I. I am much in, like I say, I'm a happy clapper, and I always kind of say, but what about this? But I also look at it in the here and now and think, well, realistically, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, and that, that's where we're at. I think your reason for supporting football club comes into it. I think, like, I look at, um, like, I, I like the Cleveland Browns and the NFL, and um, I'm basically I started supporting the Cleveland Browns I'm not an avid supporter I'm not you know I've not been to Cleveland to watch them or anything like that but I you know I'll catch as many games on TV as I can I always keep an eye on the result but my reason for picking them wasn't oh they win every game then and I want to I want to support a team that wins every game I actually looked I looked at the badges that I like the most and I thought about the place that I quite like and they were actually the worst team in the NFL they lost six, all 16 games out of 16 last year um, but my reason was, was just I, I quite like the look of them and I sort of had a little bit of an attachment to them and that was it. If I picked, say, an, another team, not to diss anyone's teams, but if I picked, say, the New England Patriots in the NFL, just as an example, who win the Super Bowl pretty regularly, I could have gone, well, they'll win most games every week. That would be fun to watch. You know, the Tom Brady's one of the best quarterbacks of all that. He's, I just think then, like, I've picked them because they win. So then when the New England Patriots, 10 years down the line, maybe aren't such a good team... Am I then as invested in that team anymore? Because actually the reason that I picked them in the first place is because they were fun to watch. I know with Cleveland now, if they become Super Bowl champions, I'll have, I'll have watched a few seasons where actually they were dire. And they were absolutely dire. Um, and, you know, this year they've done quite well. And, you know, next year they might be... And I'm thinking, well, actually, my reasons for supporting them weren't to watch a successful team anyway. So my sort of transition from whatever they do now, I'm okay. Whereas if you're a City fan that... There's plenty of City fans abroad who won't just pick City because they're a winning team, and they're the fans that I think will find transitions easier, whether we're good or bad. But the ones, I don't mean to you know, criticise anybody, but if you pick a sport football team because they win every week, it's going to be hard then when they become a mid-table team, because then what do you do? And I think that's the problem some of our rivals, about naming anyone, have. I've got, I've got something here that's just so mega, mega important. Do you actually remember the moment that you became a City fan? Yeah. The moment, the exact moment. No. Yeah. I remember the I exact moment. Ian knows where I'm talking about here. I was driving under the, the, the bypass, Pennine Way in Oldham, and City were on the radio, uh, one of the games. I don't know whether it was you 
or Fred that was talking at that moment in time. Uh, but I remember my dad saying to me, uh, he was just, he was celebrating, I think we'd scored or something like that. And I said, oh, who's that dad? And he said, Manchester City was like, that, that, that's the club that you support from now. That's the club that you need to keep an eye on. That's the club that you need to support. I went to my nanny granddad's for tea and then I don't remember too much after that, but I just remembered him saying to me, that's the club you'll support. And then after that, it was more my mum then that bought me shirts and, and, and took me to the club shop and, and bought me the shirts and queued up at... I'll say it was me commentating and, and it yeah, gave Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, and then I listened to you, obviously, on... If I couldn't make it to the game and I couldn't... I lived in Shaw at the time and I'd, I'd, I'd leave my house if I couldn't, you know, get get access to, 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 to a friend's TV or something. And I'd run to the Morning Star in Shaw and I'd try and sneak in and I'd go to the bar and I'd try and get a can of Coke and I'd go and sit in the corner tucked away and I'd just try and watch the game because it was the only way I could watch the game. If I couldn't do that, I'd sit at home and I'd, I'd, I'd stream the game on, on um, you know, your old radio station, Ian, and uh, listen to you, Nigel and Fred, whoever was on on a Tuesday Happy night. times, I love doing or that. Or a Wednesday night, whenever the game was, or even a Saturday afternoon. And I actually remember listening to your commentary the day that, um, the day that you got the sack. Yeah, yeah. well, I wish and I was still was just, commentating. But, but I do, I just, I've got vague memories of my dad telling me I was going to be a City fan. Pennine weight, just it's a, it's a landmark that sticks in my mind the moment that I heard him say it. And then laser blue shirt, uh, first advice, Eidos, uh, or Eidos, however you want to pronounce it. Huckabee's blonde streaks, Nicholas Jensen's wonderful left foot, Bernabia's corners, just all them little things make me who I am. And I still go to the game now with a retro shirt, and a retro to me, is an auto or three shirt, and no matter how small they are, I'll still try and squeeze them on over my coat <laughs> and wear them. Well, Ryan, you made you you've made such an interesting point there about the the American team and everything because I, I can give you two examples of of City fans that I know that became City fans for the same types of reasons that you're you're giving, or at least in one case that type of reason, and the other case slightly more ob- ob- obtuse. There's a, there's a lady called Tracy who's, who's based in Las Vegas who supports City because she was a big fan of Oasis and the Gallagher brothers spoke about City. So she became a City fan through that, not because they were successful and it was at a time when they weren't mega successful, just because she loved the Manchester culture from where she was and that led her to City. But I've also got a, a mate who called Val who lives in uh, Bucharest who I first got to know through a, a letter that was sent to the supporters club in the pre in, during the Ceausescu regime. Ceausescu was a dictator and it was when Romania were behind the Iron Curtain and he wrote to the club very bravely, given the circumstances, asking for pen pals, something you wouldn't think of at all these days, to who were City fans. And me and two other people wrote back to him. Uh, and for a while, his letters were censored, mine were censored. We became friends through him wanting to support City. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I tell you that story is because the reason he latched onto City was at the time we were in the second division, and yet we were getting these massive crowds singing all the way through and he said a bit like you I want to I I think those fans and that club are special and I want to follow that club and now that City have become this juggernaut this fantastic successful team that they are he can appreciate it just like we all can because because he came from the start he's not a glory hunter he's is whatever. Not that that means I'm having a go necessarily. So it was nothing to do with the actual football. It was to do with the culture, the fans well, and the culture. In both of those, that. yeah. But isn't that the same, a very similar reason why Sheikh Mansour went? Yeah, I think it well? is. And it, no, it is. Oh dear, well, it, it is. is yeah. It is absolutely because without the this, the kind of everything that went around the club uh, and like the fans and obviously we weren't in a great place with Shinawatra and all, I won't go on the ins and outs of that, it's been much written about, much covered, um, but it was between us and Newcastle and we edged it, but it was a lot to do with the fan base and who had stayed there through the thick and thin, so obviously that made a lot of Yeah, they wanted impression. to build a project on something that had some some foundation oh, yeah. and the fans were the use foundation the word, use the word history Harlan because yeah. history is often used in the wrong way and, yeah, and I hate history, yeah. history other clubs supporters yeah that's why they, they history mean history doesn't it. mean silverware history is my, my history is, is is like I said to you a minute ago watching watching Huckabee run the left, at the left hand side of the pitch watching Benabia and Berkovic in midfield watching Enelka and Gota run on to balls in behind that's history to me even though it wasn't 
even though it wasn't rewarded, so to speak, in silverware, it's still my history. So it it's still be. something that I talk my, about to my, my little cousins. My history and, and my legacy is my children, who obviously are called are called Vincent and Noel Sergio, because <laughs> that's my history and the legacy that I chose to give to them and to give to them. And not only that, that is a testament to the effect that city has had on my life. My partner is a season ticket holder. Yeah. Vincent's dad was a season ticket holder. I've got so many memories and so many days out and everything throughout decades of my life going back from 1995 right up until the here and now and all of the good times and every single memory and every single moment every single away day going seasons of going home and away consistently every single moment is all because of city i've got one well i've got i've got five actually i've got five well four season reviews and one city dvd in my, in my dvd rack at home and it's good to be back, and it's the 0203 season, and I celebrate every single goal that we score. Still, when I watch it back in my front room now, you asked yes when we're at when we're at the game. What does he do when he watches that? I celebrate every goal, and I get quite teary at some of them as well. I get quite teary, and I think that's what City does to you. Even what, what, watch watching the old days, if I can call them that, it, it gets you quite quite emotional. I mean, I watch the Adebayo celebration against Arsenal, and I tear up because it's it's. Even though he'd only been with us for a couple of seasons, it felt as if he... It wasn't just his retaliation. It was, I play for Manchester City, and it was... It, I don't know, it, it, I just I get teary at stuff like that because it is... It's my club, do you know what I mean? And I'm very protective over it. This has been a fascinating conversation, and obviously this is going to be a weekly podcast, and the aim is that we're going to record this every Monday evening. There may be exceptions to it. For example, as we sit here now, Liverpool are playing Wolves tonight, and depending on what the outcome of that game is, the City game may be moved from the Monday back to the Sunday, and if that does happen, we'll record next Monday. If it doesn't, it might be Tuesday when we do it next week, but we're going to be here every week, and these type of conversations, these types of subjects are certainly a very big part of what I want to do. All of you are on social media, so just tell us your Twitter handles and and everything so that anybody listening to that can interact with us. Mine is at rcorless, C-O-R-L-E-S-S, at 33. Um, Mine's dead easy, it's Kipax Girl, Emily. I've just changed mine, actually, and so let me just clarify mine. Mine is Ian Cheeseman, by the way. Ian Cheeseman. Cheeseman, I've actually got my own Facebook page as well, and it's the City Fanalist. Um, So it's, it's... the life of a Manchester City fan through my eyes, so that's the, that's in uh, speech marks, and that's my that's my page. But my Twitter handle at this moment in time, which he doesn't know, is I actually changed it the other day. It's the uh, HD fanalist, but it was HFallen MCFC seven. Now we will have other people who come into this uh, this equation. It's going to be all the same people every week. Paul. Paul, who has prestige car repairs, who's, who's been part of things I've done in the past, will be part of this as well, and there may be one or two others. And the reason why I've done this and said this is because, um, although I will always bring questions and topics to the table, feel free to interact with us and say, why don't you talk about this, what about that, what about this, what about that, because I'd rather... Uh, bring you in and obviously the other thing is if you're listening to this podcast now you've found it right at the beginning retweet it share it give it five stars give it you know do all the things that make us noticeable by people so that we can spread the word because no point in doing this if nobody listens to us so thank you for that but what I'm going to do now is change direction because we can't sit here and do our first podcast and not talk about City against Liverpool oh, yes. or City against Rotherham to a lesser extent, not that I'm demeaning that. So let's start with Liverpool and, and I'm going to start with, with the atmosphere which was something that was touched on before and people again have said to me it was the greatest atmosphere ever they had had and, and Ryan's a great one to start off on this because most of your uh, fandom has been at the Etihad so you haven't got anything to compare it with so you've got a clean slate in that sense one person said to me that Liverpool um, atmosphere was the best ever best ever and I said what about the Hamburg game in the quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup a few years ago what about 93-20 day what about other derby matches what are, you know, are you sure absolutely he was insistent so were you, you know I was at the game you were at the game, yeah. Harlan. Yeah. Were you all at the yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were there in, in it. You yeah. weren't watching it on TV. Tell us about the atmosphere. I 
I disagree that it was the best one ever at the Etihad. Uh, I, I still think it was a fantastic atmosphere, but there's been a couple of times, just a couple of times, where I've left the ground and thought that one was, you know, the best. In Liverpool, I, I thought it was an excellent atmosphere, but I don't think it was the best one at the Etihad ever. But what you could tell was that we needed to win that game and, and it translated. And actually, what was nice was at a time where, you know, there's a lot of debate about atmosphere and whether or not, you know, Football fans in general, and not just City fans, but whether or not they get behind the team in a vociferous way and you know really push the team on, you can't fault City's support on Thursday night. I think Company came out and said it, and I think Pep might have said something about it as well. Even at one-one, um, I think there was a there was a you know they, they equalised, there were a couple of minutes of nerves, but even then you still felt that the City fans were willing them on, and I think ultimately you know I'm not taking credit as as a fan, uh, but you know it's got to help the players. They are humans, and you know if you've got fifty thousand people roaring you on it, it's going to shoot you with adrenaline, and you're going to get going. And you know I, I think the fans did their bit on Thursday night, the players did their bit, and now we've got to all do our bit, you know, to try and. Get the title. Whereabouts really. in the ground are you, Ryan? I sit in the south stand, uh, the first tier, so just next to the away fans. Uh, the middle tier, you mean, or the, the, lo- uh, the, the lower tier. The lower sorry. tier. So you're right in the thick of yeah. one of the. No- and I know you were in that yeah. area, yeah. Alan, aren't you? So you're all three yeah. in there, so yeah. so you had you had that close up view from where I was, which is a little further away. I certainly don't think it was. I'm not, it was brilliant, but I don't, and especially in that last ten or fifteen minutes mm. when City were hanging on a little bit. But I, I'd say there were others that were better. I agree. But but hey, it was good. I think that game, Ian. <laughs> I think I think the thing the thing the thing with regards to the atmosphere against Liverpool on Thursday night was it was fueled by so much other than just playing Liverpool in a Premier League game. It was fueled by last year the bus attack. It was fueled by absolutely everything. And the fact that the City fans now, I don't know if you two are on the, well, in the same in the same category as me here, but we've started to dislike the fans and the club almost as much for me, not quite as much, but almost as much as United. And I think the fact that they become such a rival, not just because they're where they are in the league right now, even last season they finished fourth, but there was a rivalry there and it was still there for me before the Champions League. But the fact that that happened, all the Liverpool fans and all Liverpool did as a club was make us not not hate them, but they made us want to rival them more and give them more. And that game on Thursday night, a pit the players, the, you could you could tell the players were giving that extra ounce for the fans, and the fans were giving that extra ounce for the players, and it was quite a reciprocal atmosphere, so to speak. And the the players did the business, we spurred them on. Um, and I really genuinely believe that had we not have been in the ground as vocal as we were, the game might have took a different, a different avenue, so to speak. Are you suggesting, therefore, that it wasn't the width of the goal line or the length of <laughs> no, the grass wasn't, that wasn't made the difference? That, no. I think we, we, we did make a difference to win on Thursday night. I really, really firmly believe. If we, if we didn't make a different on thir- difference on Thursday, then we might not as well might as well not show up because that's as good atmosphere as I've seen this season. I think it was better than the derby. Um, and if we can't make a difference like on Thursday night, then I, I don't think there's any place for fans in football anyway because the players have they're still humans and they have to take something from that surely. I think you've both been talking and the one word that neither of you have mentioned so far is the most obvious one and it's emotion. Yeah, it everything was, everything was, was fueled by emotion that night everything you were talking about emotion before this conversation about Liverpool and I was going to continue that by saying well because you've mentioned it let's go on to the Liverpool game because that was one of the most emotional emotionally charged atmospheres I've ever been in at that ground yet 9320 was different because it happened at the end so 9320 it was like that was like one of the most emotional moments of my life yeah, everybody's life is a scene who was there in the Etihad Stadium uh, at the Etihad Stadium but it was right at the end so yeah we were all like up for it because we were losing that day and it was like oh come on you know when you were dead stressed and everything but the other night against Liverpool everything it, it was so exhausting it was just so relentless and I couldn't well, we don't sit down anyway in the south stand, but it was just for 95 minutes, adrenaline-filled, just pumping around my body where I couldn't think, cheered every single throw-in. Yeah. When Sterling bombed down, Liverpool were going forward and Sterling bombed down, and I just it's like Jurassic Park, you know, when she shouts, run, dead lad, I just went, run! Because I was just so pumped up with adrenaline, I just thought, 
We cannot lose this match. We need. I couldn't sleep to on win. Wednesday night. Man. I couldn't. Sl- I couldn't. I couldn't sleep. sleep on Wednesday night. Um, and the I, next day, I was absolutely physically, emotionally, and mentally drained because it took every single inch out of me. That I felt I drained before the game, walking through Manchester. I was well anxious. I kept saying, "Come on, City! Come on, well, yeah, City!" No, no I, I felt like that. A... But going to the ground for me, it felt a little bit weirdly like it reminded me of going to the Monday night game when we played United of the season. 2011-2012 which I think I was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been in but see I was there and I don't I, I think Liverpool was better than that because it was just so emotional maybe we talk about snippets of that game then when company scored that header oh, that was absolutely outstanding do you know what I mean yeah, but I think you can that do that with you every can game them. You, can, you can look back at last season when we were winning 2-0 against United and how emotionally charged it was in the ground then because it was ridiculous you saw Lakey on my yeah. vlog actually I, I've never what, seen Lakey I've never like, seen that. Lakey like that and he got carried he, afterwards he was mortified that he'd been like that yeah. but that came from a place yeah. Oh, that's Paul Lake. Where, by the way, when I say Lake, you know Paul Lake, the former City player. Uh, go, go and have a look at it on the on YouTube, and you'll see what I mean. It was at half time in that game when City lost three two ultimately, but were two 0 at half time, and he was so wound up in it, exactly the way you're talking yeah. about, so full of emotion, and it all poured out. He got ridiculed by United fans for doing that, but I love him for that. I love City fans like you three, uh, you know, that that absolutely live and breathe yeah. it. I actually think, uh, just while we're on this topic, I actually think that United game uh, was certainly for a half the best atmosphere, I think, at the end. Uh, I think that the first half of that game for going 2-0 up... Sorry? <laughs> for a half. For a half. I mean, obviously, the second half, let's not oh, discuss no, that too much. But awesome. I do think, as, as far as I had, you know, a 60-minute yeah. period from yeah. 50 minutes before the game to half-time, I, I think that was the best atmosphere at the Etihad. Um, I wish I could say that it was for the whole game. Um, and then I think the Liverpool game, actually, following... The, later in that week when we had to go and turn over a 3-0 deficit I mean again oh, it wasn't was, for the yeah. whole game but yeah. it was electric for, for you know a half again we got to 1-0 at half time and everyone felt it was still alive and then obviously obviously the same kind of thing happened against United, that happened against United. but um, in terms of this game against Liverpool like I agree I think I think there was a lot riding on it I don't I, for me personally the, like last season didn't come into it too much and, and you know I, I think now what's happened is that actually we're on a similar level sitting in Liverpool um, certainly this season on the football inside of it and I think actually there's there's just that you know we're two titans so to speak and I think that, that game on Thursday night was so important for us I actually think it was more important for Liverpool than was made out because for me personally Liverpool had beaten us at the end I think the title race was over I know people will say it's yeah. premature and whatever but for me if you lose at home to Liverpool the psychological benefits to, for them uh, 10 points it, it was over as far as I'm concerned so to win for us was massive but I actually think they missed a bit of a trick not coming and performing as well as they did if, and if they had turned up I mean they're a very good side and they are capable of coming to the Etihad if we catch us on an off day uh, if we cut the grass a little bit shorter you know they would have battered us um, I'm just joking I don't think they'd have battered us but um, you know and so I think it's just now the appreciation that it's probably the two best sides in the country by I would say a bit of a distance at the moment um, and I think that emotion personally for me was about the fact that it was a must win and, and desperation and what you touched upon actually Ian, was it felt pretty old school actually the last 10 minutes because you went from like silky city play beautiful football it was like you know just get it out like just lit, and it was just who filled the pitch yeah. and it felt a little bit like you were playing Liverpool back in 2003 when, you know, or when Stuart Pearson in charge, where you're holding on to a win against a side that's better than you. But, you know, it, it isn't that, ultimately. We're two sides on a we similar level. We showed everything in that game. Yeah. We showed yeah. every side All the silky skills and all the nice football. We showed the fantastic the fluid attacking side. Yeah. We showed the resolute There was some grit side. and there was yeah. some character. And, and you could see, like, you know, players that don't always show it either, like, you know, that you don't always associate with that grit and determination. Sterling and Sane getting yeah. stuck in and getting back. And I thought... Actually, like we're seeing a bit of a different side of this city side, and I hope, I really do hope that come May, you know, it was it was worth something with regards to the title race. But if not, you know, it was still a great occasion. I like. wish that we would have had another league game straight after that. I would have loved to see how they reacted straight after it, like mm. bang at the weekend, play again on Sunday mm. in the league because now a little bit of time's gone by. I still think they'll wobble. I, 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 well, I thought wobble. they'd wobble as well, and I, I still do. They've I've got, got tonight got, to what I'm watching. They're, they're, they're a very still. good... I think they're, I think they're a better side sometimes, and I think even when I read Twitter, then people give them credit for to a degree. I think the biggest difference is, is Van Dijk, and I actually, like, you know, about a year ago, didn't feel that Van Dijk was maybe as good as made out. I'm happy to say yeah. I think I was wrong, because... Um, Forget Salah and forget Firmino and forget Mane. I actually think Van Dijk's the difference between them this year and last. Um, 
you know, I think before they played us, they conceded seven goals in the league in, in 19 games. And that's what we're competing with ultimately as a team that really, they don't really let much go. So we've got to hope now in the second half of the season they do have a bit of a wobble. Well, to, to jump on that games. point there, Ryan, about Van Dijk, I think you look at Van Dijk as a player, and I think in that game more than anything, I mean, I was sat, obviously, we were all sat south stand. And I think we were behind the Liverpool defensive line for the first half of that game. And I was obviously watching the game because I'm, in, I'm, in, you know, I'm, I'm enthralled by it. But I was just watching odd bits of what he was doing organising that defensive line. Robertson and Alexander-Arnold are concentrating on, on, on going forward more than anything because that, that's the way that Liverpool play. Lovren was being coached by Van Dijk for the majority of the first half. He is a mid-table centre-half, Lovren. Klopp would have never bought Lovren as, as his own centre-half when, when he took over at Liverpool or even now Lovren's there because he was already part of that squad prior to Klopp arriving Van Dijk's organisational skills and his coaching on the pitch um, is what's making Lovren look a lot better and I think forget Van Dijk's actual footballing ability even in that game for a minute just the fact that he was having to tell the Liverpool back line how to defend shows you that if they lose him they're not only going to lose him as a player they're going to lose him as an organiser. He's a leader. And that's he's when he's a, a, a leader. A natural and leader. Will struggle. And it's interesting you said that about him coaching a centre-half. And I'm not going to... I don't want to slag off an old City centre-half pairing, actually, but one pretty recently. I think you put two players next to each other in centre-half and you had Vincent Company, who is a leader. And I think he, at times, elevated the centre-half next to him. I don't want to be mean against Jolie and Lescott, but I didn't... You know, Jolie and Lescott was a very good football player, but I think the way Company coached him and led him... They, those two are yeah. unstoppable and I think I think probably I, I mean I don't know he was, I've never asked it, he was losing it with Lovren even though Liverpool weren't, weren't weren't kind of defending badly he was still losing it because it was it was like as if they'd all been told by Klopp how they were supposed to defend and there was only Van Dijk understood yeah but he was getting tired I mean? everything that first half everything went down our left because of Lovren because we knew that he's their weakest yeah. link so we were absolutely pounding everything down that left side constantly Sterling's out on the right absolutely begging for the ball acres of space but no chance because it's all going down where Lovren stood battered, battered, battered and he might be coaching him but from what I saw we got an absolute battering down that left How significant is it then that Vincent was Vincent Company was selected for that game because he is that player for City, or certainly Still was at his peak. The man, the big for the big game, undoubtedly. Um, yeah, everybody's going to talk about that that um, tackle, aren't they? I some on some days you'd get a red for it, and some days it get a yellow. I would have thought a red would have been harsh, but I love what I love about Vincent Company is that he's a leader. And sometimes I really think that we lack leadership on the pitch. Mm. He comes on and, for instance, that tackle, yeah, it is a little bit reckless, but it's so hot-headed. If he doesn't win the ball, it's, it's a red, isn't it? But it, that's what I love about Vincent is that he can be so fiery and then he's over him like that and I'm not going to repeat what he said in it what he said to him but that's what I want I want my captain to be like that I want him to care as much as I care. Is that what's there. lacking in John Stones? Well... I think that's what's lacking in general when company's not on the pitch. I do think that we lack a leader. I think the Porter's got a bit of company in him. I'd like Stones to Tell have me. the leadership because obviously like people say about him, oh, you know, the next Bobby Moore and all that kind of stuff. I just want a leader on the pitch when company's not there. And I want them to care as much as company does because that is how much I care about my club. I want to see a representative leading on the pitch who cares as much as we care yeah. watching I, want and I that. think Vinny does that. Vinny, Vinny's him. like a fan on the pitch. He, he, he's, he's one of us now. I saw so him when I got home. I watched it back straight away on Sky, and he's like there going, Come on! And when he's not there, you don't see that. And I know it's just maybe people thinking, What does that matter? But to me, that matters, and I want to see though. that. And it, that's the, the, the fire in his belly. It's just like, Go on there, because that's what I want. So if you want to analyse that actual incident, and this is going to sound like I'm having a go now. But obviously part of what I do in this role is to put the other side of the argument. But in this case, I'm just going to describe as what I saw. John Stones had the ball and played it square to, to Vincent Company. It wasn't a great ball. And it meant that Company was stretching for it. Company was absolutely determined to win it. So that adrenaline rush, which can sometimes mean that people perceive him as being a bit hot-headed meant he went into that tackle uncompromisingly now I think that was a yellow card I don't think that was a I red was a and, and Van Dyke did the same sort of thing which was highlighted by a lot of people yeah. in the Champions League game I yeah. think against Napoli and at the time everybody said oh that's definitely a yellow 
course, the same almost identikit tackle. Suddenly, people are saying, "Oh no, that's that's a red," which I find extremely hard. I think to if take. he doesn't win the ball, and it's a red card. I think the fact that his foot's high, it probably it'd probably be what would make us say that he's probably a yellow card because yeah. you could endanger an opponent. But I don't think ball. it's a red card because he won the ball, and I think winning the ball saved him a red card, so to speak. But, but I don't think there was any intention to hurt Salah. No, the, the only intention, his sole intention, was to win the ball and start City Camera. Having yeah. said that, though, there was a, the, uh, Fabian Delph got sent off recently for a challenge which I don't think for one second Fabian Delph wanted to injure anybody no, did. or did it no. maliciously. No. However, but it was a red. It was a red. That was a red. You, you had no. That, that, that's that's my view. One in, in, in the cup, like, nanny. That, that, was, that, that wasn't you're talking about the three two. Yeah, that, was that, wasn't even a booking. No, that wasn't even no. a booking. You know what no, I mean? And that, that tackle against Liverpool reminded me of that that challenge. But I think the fact that his foot was elevated, his but left foot was elevated. Doesn't it all demonstrate that, that it's yellow. such a game of like fine margins because he goes for that, it isn't a red, but if he goes for it, it's a completely different game. <laughs> The, the the fine margin, I know what you're gonna say. There's another fine margin in that football the, game. The, the, <laughs> with the the white <laughs> line. If that would have gone in, I really believe it would have been a different game. I, I genuinely believe that they would have gone on and won. I just do, I do. You, the thing is, I suppose, like, I don't feel like a city I mean, element of luck in terms of, but... But they've had their luck. Recently. Yeah, and that's like, what I was going to say. Is loads of stuff. You, you ride know, your luck. Things do, things that, I mean, even out is, you know, perhaps an over-exaggeration, but things do to a yeah. degree even out. And, you know, we've, we went to Liverpool last year in the, in the Champions League semi, and, you know, you could argue one of their goals was offside. You could argue um, we should have had a penalty in the second half. And, you know, that day didn't go for us. Now, you won't catch me saying that on Thursday we didn't get the rub of the green, albeit luck, not necessarily decisions. But, I mean, I thought the company won was... I thought it was close, and I... I Personally, I've watched it straight away. I thought that was a red. Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times since and thought maybe, maybe it's a yellow. But you know, I the way I always try and look at it is if Van Dijk had done that, would I be thinking that should have been a red? And I think I would have been, but I don't know. I, I think that. I think what it is, Ryan. I think there's getting a penalty that isn't a penalty, and then there's the fact that the goal line's not suddenly decided to grow a pair of legs and walk off. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> there's, the, 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 there's a difference, isn't there, between saying that. Oh, you know that's our luck, so to speak. That that's just how the balls. And the goal, and the, yeah. and the goal line that's, one, that's just, it's, it's luck, but it's only luck to the you know John Stones ultimately does save that chance, and he does by the whip of you know yeah. whatever well, like a we pencil. Could, we, could, we could say that Sane's shot could hit the post and come back. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, that, I mean that's more that's more luck, so to speak, um, than than the Stones one because we're very much in control of that. Yeah. but. You know, at the end of the day, we maybe we did ride our look a little bit at times, but I'm sure you know there were other chances in the game that Liverpool might have rode there. I mean, Sterling misses one at right at the end, which you know the form he's been on this season, you expect him to bury. If he misses that it. one, what happens? Then? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? And I, I fear for Sterling well, if he missed that one. That's how finely balanced that game was, and that's why everybody you could feel the tension and the and the nerves in the ground because that's how much it meant. But it was on a knife edge for the whole ninety-five minutes. That's how big games should be, like oh, you know, wow. the tiny it was margin It was driven by. By everything it was driven by the bus, bus attack and I don't want to keep going back to it but it was driven by absolutely everything There's, there is I'm not, I don't like using the word hate but there is a hatred there now oh, yeah. I, I, hatred. Don't, I don't personally it's not just us though it's other fans as well every I, every fan wanted, I felt an United aggravation fans I felt... wanted us to win that night because of Liverpool because unfortunately they've got this reputation and to a certain extent you can kind of see why judging on the, the post-match analysis by them oh company should have seen red oh the shadow crossed the line therefore it should have been a goal oh the grass was too my long my uncle's a cameraman for the, Sky and he yeah. got proof that it crossed the line the would Anfield, have made him delete it the Anfield rap actually sat there and legitimately discussed whether the grass was too long this is why they have this reputation this is why they are so disliked because it's... they don't help themselves because th there's no grace in defeat you hold your hands up, you say your manager got it wrong by playing Milner and Henderson in an absolutely massive game. He shouldn't have gone with them in, in midfield. You hold your hands up and walk away with dignity and say, all right, no problem. The better team won. We're still four points ahead. And then move on. You don't throw out X, Y, Z excuses because it makes you look ridiculous. They weren't, they weren't good. They didn't, they didn't play well on the night. Like <laughs> they, they came to a big game um, like I said before, if they win, for me, it's over. And they didn't play well. Um, and, and you can go on about the look and all that, but 
could they honestly, and this is the worst bit about it, is that I haven't actually seen, I mean, I have a couple of mates who are Liverpool fans and they were pretty gracious in defeat, but you always know people as well. Yeah. I know United fans who would be gracious in defeat. But the general <laughs> consensus, like from what I saw on Twitter, I haven't really seen a tweet where a Liverpool fan said, you know, they've got the better of us tonight and that's no, it. All I've seen are just, just excuse after excuse after excuse. You know, the fact that the Anfield rap thing started with, the, the grass was too long. I, I mean, I honestly was like, when I read it, I thought it was a joke, and then I watched it, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that didn't make sense anyway, because... Well, we're a short ball team anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, well, exactly, but what they'd actually said is that it stopped, it stopped the pace of the ball. Well, we're a fast... Yeah. We're, we're a fast-paced football so inside. It no it's interesting, because I read a book on Barcelona didn't years ago. didn't whatsoever, did it? I read no. a book on Barcelona, Pep's Barcelona side, the famous you know side that won the Champions League a couple of times, and I actually remember reading a section in that book where Xavi and Iniesta had complained in an away game for Barcelona that the grass had been cut too long and that was Guardiola's team saying that it had been cut too long um, I don't know if Guardiola himself echoed that but Xavi apparently had a go at the referee about it so you know I don't think that Pep Guardiola is the kind of guy that like you say the style of football that we play to go get that, get that grass a few centimetres longer because yeah, it would probably compromise our game yeah, I mean our, our second, goal, our second goal was pretty fast movement yeah. and pretty fast football I think the ball seemed, seemed like it was rolling pretty quick yeah, to me anyway it, it so I just think it, you've got to Listen. put that down to the poor passing from the Liverpool players my message would be be gracious and the irony is that when we lost at Leicester in that league game I did a tweet at the end of that game which was well done Leicester they deserved to win it that was my tweet and I actually got slagged off by City fans, some anyway, one of or two, saying, you know, you, what, you give me, what are you talking about? City should have won it. Just, just be and nice. There's, there's and, two and, sides to it. Like, you can still, you could still, I remember Palace beating us. I thought Palace were outstanding. And I said, I thought on Twitter, you know, I thought Palace were worth the points, actually. Yeah. I thought on the day, they turned up, they took their chances, they scored an absolute worldie. And defend, I thought that defensively were excellent, Palace. We scored a bit of a fluke, really, in De Bruyne's goal. And actually, by that, we didn't do much in that game. But I mean, it, it doesn't mean I can't be critical. There were still things I was critical of of City, but there's a difference between being critical of your team and saying the other team, you know, you can do both things. And, you know, City at Leicester, um, you know, Leicester won the game. You know, maybe City, you could argue, maybe didn't deserve to lose that game. I think you probably did deserve to lose that game in the way that they didn't create enough. And, but it's just, it this goes back to the debate about before about like finding that balance. And, you know, I criticise City after the loss and I say that so and so didn't play well. But, I'm happy to congratulate the other team. It's like with, 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 the, with the Palace game, Ian, I, I don't even think I said this on the vlog, but um, I said it afterwards and I wrote a post about it on my page on, on Facebook and I, and, I, and, I, and I wrote a few different posts about it and spoke to friends about it and commented on certain things with it. And um, I think the fact that if you rearrange the goals in the Palace game at home and you put Townsend's last and that was the, that was the winner, and that was the one that you know. That was the one that won the game three two. It's a goal that's worthy winning any football match in any country at any level. Do you know what I mean? So let's look at it. That day we weren't we weren't at our very best. Like Ryan said, Walker was. He did have a shocker. I said that on the vlog at the end. I think. Um, but you just look at the you look at the quality of Palace's goals. The slut ones a class finish. Edison's positioning was 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 poor. You could say, and I'd never usually criticise Edison because he's outstanding. He's a great footballer, fantastic goalkeeper. I think he's a better footballer than he is goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, you just look at it and you just think that, that that specific day, like you said, be gracious. Palace were fantastic. Um, I don't think it was a case of Hodgson outwitting Pep. He's not a better manager than Pep. Some people would maybe go, ooh, well, that means Hodgson's a better manager than Pep. They're naive football fans. He didn't outwit Pep. The Palace players uh, did him justice and, and went out and, and unfortunately beat us. And that's just... This is the first ever Forever Blue podcast and uh, and it's come to an end. So thank you very much to the three of you who've been brilliant uh, contributors to this first podcast. If you've enjoyed it, like I say, share it, retweet it, tell the world that it exists, give it five stars, put comments on, contact us individually by all means as well um, and, and spread the word. And the amazing thing is that we're sitting here the day after City have won 7-0 in the <laughs> FA Cup we and we haven't even mentioned it. <laughs> now that, that's where City are these days. Uh, I also want to say thanks very much to uh, D&W Cars who are of Castleton which is near Rochdale who I went along to see and gave me their support, which is very, very much appreciated. So I can't recommend them highly enough. Lovely people as well. So thanks very much for listening. The plan is, and uh, as you listen to this, you'll already know the outcome of the Liverpool uh, Wolves game. So the bottom line is, if that game finished in a draw, we're going to record this this next podcast next Tuesday. If it wasn't a draw, 
Liverpool or Wolves won, then we'll be recording again next Monday. So look out for the next uh, podcast. You'll you'll uh, no doubt hear from us again, all collectively, but you certainly hear other voices coming up as well. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>